We are on Lamed Vav Amud Aleph, 36a. We finish with the words Kamashmalan about Chutzala Aretz. Okay, so everybody can find it. It finishes off Ema Bechutzala Aretz Nami Nigzor Kamashmalan. Okay, everybody have it? Okay, so if you recall, what we're dealing with is this concept of what happens if something isn't finished. Okay? In, in particular, this caper tree. Whatever it is. If you ever find one, I know you're stuck because you don't know exactly what, what Brafa to say, etc. What about the fruit part? What about what's known as the, the klipa? Or sort of the inner part that's not totally done? Can you, t- can you take that off the tree? Can you eat it? Do you have to say a bracha? It's not really done. And what happens if it's not... We did the whole thing last week. If it's not good for you, you recall with the chitim of, uh, of of seore, with the the um, uh, uh, with the things were the of the seor of barley, and, and we dealt with the concept as well of evyonot and kafrisin. Evyonot are the the small fruit, and kafrisin are the covers, if you will. Um, that uh, and we're worried about kafris, what, this, what we're supposed to say, and then we also threw in just to make it clear as well, orla. You remember the concept of orla that for the first three years in in something growing in Eretz Israel that's a fruit tree, you don't eat it. Fourth year neta revai, you take it up to Jerusalem, and then you can eat it. Orla only applies to fruit trees. So if you have the concept of orla involved. And presumably you're dealing with Borei Priya 8. That's the, the commonality of the concept here. And then we had the concept of what about Chutzala Aretz? You need Orla Chutzala Aretz outside of Israel. And if you're Mekil in one case, does that make you Mekil in another case? And all that kind of stuff. And we finished off with, with the concept of Halachaka Rabbi Akiva Bechutzala Aretz. Okay? The halacha is according to Rabbi Kiva having to do outside that you only make um, a maaser on evyonot, the, the fruit stuff as well, because we have a concept, the chola mekil ba'aretz halacha kemoto b'chutzal aretz. That everybody who is mekil, who is lenient in chutzal in aretz already, how much the more so as such is he going to be lenient in chutzal aretz, in, in the diaspora and outside the aretz. So why do we have to do all this? Kamashulan to be able to teach us this particular concept. And so what we, we're left with still, we're actually in the middle of this stuff, having to do with a whole issue of relationship to how do you define do you, something that you have to say, Borei Priya Eitz on it? How do you define something that you say, and if something isn't finished as such and become a fruit, then what bracha do you say in that intermediate kind of case? Alright? That's the concepts they're dealing with. It, it unfortunately doesn't get much better, I'm afraid, I'm sorry to tell you. Uh, from the point of view of, of, the, of you know, things that, that relate, but the Talmud's in a, in a very you know, strict halachic kind of concept here. What bracha do you say? And remember, why is this so, why is this so important? Why is it so important that you know what bracha to say? So you don't say one in vain. Correct. Correct. The, because the, the, the theology behind it is that if you say the wrong one, it's bracha levatala, 
you're doing improper bracha and you're saying God's name improperly. Okay? So, if you're not sure, say Shachol. Because that classifies as all of them. But if you want to be careful, you say the right one. And if you don't say the right one, from a theoretical, theological point of view, you're doing something wrong. Okay, so Sandy's absolutely right. That's behind all this. It doesn't say that. But that's the theology, if you will, behind it. Do you think that they're asking about some of the things that are not usually eaten because of drought, hunger, that people would like? Yeah, I, I, I think you're partially right, and I think partially because people walked through the fields of other people and took things, and they were working, and all kinds of things. Yeah, they're, you know, again, like always in any kind of law, they're dealing with the outside extension of possibilities, because if they can teach the outside extension, the inside is much easier to understand. Sure, there, there's a reality to the situation that, you know, Israel is a, is a country that doesn't always get, doesn't get as much rain as it needs, and therefore there is drought, therefore you might plan to take something, correct. Or you may be picking trees and you say, hmm, I think I'll grab this because I'm hungry. And if you do, yeah, I think Marcia, Mar- Mar- correct. So, so is, this, is this an example that everybody would have understood because they would sort of know the, the background here? The, the they would know the, again, we're dealing mostly with an agricultural society. Okay, our issue is that we're, we don't know this stuff. Yeah. Okay, you've seen there's names for everything. And the reason that there's names for everything is because they were very exacting on the agricultural part of it. You know, to us, these things are, you know, really theoretical in that sense. So, do I think everybody? I mean, that's a, that's a bigger question of who this is written for, or who this is orally for. Okay, and at one time, the, the theory was it was for basically everybody. We know today that it was not the case. It was for those who were piously involved. Not only was it those for only piously involved, it was for disciples circles. So the, the, it was more of a small group. But yeah, they would understand at least the concepts that you and I would have today to have no con- really major issue with it. And so if you know the exact, I'm sorry, okay. if you know the exact graph after what Rabbi Sandy was saying, you can't say it's okay. But if you don't know, is it okay to say Hakol? Yeah, Hakol is the easiest one to say. Okay, it's like all-inclusive. It's all inclusive, and then that realm, you can you can't quote unquote go wrong, but you want to be as as always as exact as possible. So, you know that's why you have questions of, you know, we had the whole issue last year that I brought you from the Rabbi Barmash dealing with you say motzi even though it's not really bread and that kind of thing. You know, I sat beside uh, Rabbi Artson at dinner. He's around now gluten free, so didn't wash his hands to say hamotzi at that point. Okay, so. There's some people who would, based on Rabbi, and I said to him, I said, so do you read Rabbi Barman, you know, I, I can talk to him in code language. He said, yeah, well, it's an issue right now, you know. Uh, and it's only a, it's a few months, apparently, he's gluten-free now, and watching that. So, so it, it, it all relates in that realm of being careful in that realm, because you try to be as uh, theologically appropriate as possible. But if you can't, Shakul can always be the one that's the... The cover. Would you define again? I, I'm confused. What is Evionot, Arnot, and Katrusin? Okay, so Evionot are the little pre, the little, okay? That's why it's Evion. Okay? The little fruits. The cover. Is that what? Maybe, maybe. I, I think it's more of a pre, because you wouldn't say, on a bud you wouldn't say Bore Priates. Okay, so I think it's more of a. Kafrisin are the covers. 
of them as such. The kaprisin, I think, were translated as the uh, the soft part of the deca of the tamar of the date tree, palm. of the palm tree. Orla, I mean orla, orla is a three-year um, isur, uh, forbidden uh, the fruit that you can't eat. Okay, so that's where we're at. So we're going to continue with an example, which will lead us to further discussion of what is appropriate. Um, and they will bring in a couple of other concepts of agriculture, which will um, accentuate the issue itself, and we'll move from there. Okay, we're all set. Everybody got it. Okay. So who wants to read today? Okay, ma'am. Okay, so Ravina, then we're now back, we're in Babylonia, right? Ravina is in Babylonia, this isn't dealings with Or, the law, presumably, etc. Ashkepe, he happened to be at Marbar Ravashi's place. This is already later, <coughs> according to the, the Talmud, the editors of the Talmud are Ravina and Ravashi. That's about 499 of the Common Era. We know that that's not exact today. So you're late in the Talmudic, peri in the Talmudic period. Almost 500 of the Common Era. We're dealing with things that relate to Palestine that are clearly a few hundred years earlier. Okay? De Kazarek used to throw, literally, Evyonot, throw out the fruits, the small little fruits, the Kachel Kafrisin. And he used to eat these uh, <coughs> soft parts <coughs> of the palm tree. Okay, so the background is, it, it is, is, is that uh, Steinsaltz has and Rashi has that this is part of the Orla issue too. Okay, it's part of the Orla issue. So he wouldn't eat the Evionot, which would, would issues of Orla, even though he's in Babylonia. We'll come back to that. And he would eat the, the Kafrisin. So, so Ravina said to him, Madatach, do you agree with Rabbi Akiva, who makes okay, who says that you don't? What does what does Rabbi Akiva say above? Rabbi Akiva says that ultimately, um, where is it here? Titnan Rabbi Azamer Tzlaf Mitashev Rabbi Akiva Mer Ein Mitashev Ela of Yonot Bilvad Ibneisha Hu Peri. Do you hold like Rabbi Akiva, who thinks that the Evyonut are like a fruit, and therefore can't be eaten because of Orla? Or do you also hold of the leniency of a Beit Shammai, who is even more lenient? And what is that? You have to keep reading. <laughs> Okay, Tzlaf. Again, the translation there is? These and those. No, no, Tzlaf. The, the, what is it, how does it define Tzlaf? The, that, uh, it, the, the what? Caper bush. Is that the caper bush? That's the caper bush, right? Okay. Okay, Tzlaf. Beit Shaman Kilayim Bakerim. So, everybody know, Kilayim is you're not allowed to grow together things of different seeds. Okay? 
It led to shatnes, which is what you're not supposed to wear, but you're not supposed to grow things of different seeds. Or, or, you know, biblical and rabbinic Judaism was very organized. You keep things in order. And as soon as you mix orders, that's a problem. That's a problem. Okay? So, kilayim bakerim means, according to um, uh, the uh, to Beit Shammai, kilayim bakerim. Kilayim bakerim means that you can't mix them up in a vineyard. How then would Beit Shammai define a tzlaf? It defines it as not a, a fruit tree, but growing things like the, in the kerim. Beit Hilomrim ain't kilayim bakerim. That it do, it's not a kilayim bakerim. But eluva elu modim shachayav beorla. Both of them hold that you have to hold things according to uh, to orla. Okay, so what do we have here? We have here my datach. Do you hold? Does they want to know? Does does Mar Rabashi hold according to Rabbi Kiva? Okay, who says that the kafri the the evyonut uh, ultimately shouldn't be eaten, okay? Or does he even go further and say that the tzlaf itself is not at all any kind of fruit-bearing tree? It's a it might be concerned about kilayim bakerim, but still has the responsibility of orla. And what you have here is a mixture of what it states. Even and they'll point in a minute. Kilayim bakerim refers to not trees with fruit, but vineyards which grow on the ground, okay, which is much more of a plant. Orla deals with fruit-bearing trees. So you're going to find within this realm of uh, even the uh, concept of what they say here a real problem, because it says, Ha Gufa Kasha. There's a problem in the text itself. What's the problem? So it, Beit Shammai says kilayim bakerim. Okay, that means it's some sort of vegetable, which you would say borei priyadama. Therefore, orla shouldn't apply. And then you say elu elu modim shechayab orla. That deals with fruit-bearing trees. Well, wait a minute. It's one or the other. It's not like a plant and like a fruit tree. The rules are different. How can you both be kilayim bakerim, which is the planting issue? Okay? Because what, what happens with a tree? They don't call it kilayim. They call, it's called grafting when it comes to a tree. Okay? Kilayim is the growing together of seeds. So in the growing together of seeds, you have a yerek, you have a vegetable. With orla, you have a fruit-bearing tree. I don't get it. Beit Shammai, how can you believe it's both? It's either or. According to Beit Hillel, it's not kilayim by kerem. Chayav orla. So it's some sort of, they're at least consistent. It can see, be a fruit-bearing tree. But Beit Shammai, internally, we try to throw something that maybe this Maravashi holds like Beit Shammai. We bring a text, and in brackets, they say, but, but we have problems with that text. We don't understand the text, because the text is, in its own self, contradictory. So they have to come back and say, Ha 
Of course there's no problem. Of course. Uh, you knew that before we started. Beit Shammai doesn't know what a tzlaf is, basically. They don't know what, okay? There are certain times in, in for instance, there's an animal, which we may have studied once, called a koi. It's, a, it's an animal that they don't know whether it's a behema or a chaya. Okay? It's some sort of mixture of an animal that they don't know whether it's an animal or a wild animal. There's some sort, there's times when they have um, um, trees or plants that they don't know whether it's one or the other. Categorization. Okay? And, and the categorization was important. Okay? So in this case, that what they said is Beit Shemai Misaplehu. He's not sure what a tzalaf is, and what's better, always to go the chumra, always to go to the stringencies. The stringencies, if it's a plant, is kilayim bakera. The stringency of a fruit tree is orla. This is typical of Beit Shemai and Beit Hillel. Beit Shemai is almost always stringent. Beit Hillel is almost always lenient. There are 18 cases where Beit Shammai is more lenient than Beit Hillel. Uh, could you define Orla again? Is it Orla is a fruit tree that grows that you can't eat its fruit for three years. Uh -huh, okay. okay? Yeah. A plant normally grows very quickly. A fruit tree, if you plant it, it's going to take a few years anyhow. Yeah. Where does a grapevine fit into this, these definitions? In this case, it seems to be that the plant, the carom itself, not its fruit, but the planting together, and therefore the planting is what the issue is, and therefore it's, it's dealt with in terms of the veg vegetable. Okay, so it's the planting itself. It's not what bracha you say on the carom, or what you say borei or motzi, or or It's but it has to do with the the planting itself. Okay, and as I say, with a tree, we use a different thing. We call it grafting. So therefore, it's a different concept even to us in our English language. Yes, ma'am. What about cranberries, for instance? They don't grow on trees, Well, the question is, are, cran are cranberries fruit according to our understanding of them? You have to look it up. I don't know. Okay. They don't grow on a tree. They grow in a bush. They grow on a bush, I believe, don't they? Yeah. They grow in a bog. Well, okay, so uh, I would presume it's Bore Priyadama, I presume. So. In, mo in most cases, you don't eat cranberries directly. Most people put them into something, you know? Wait, wait, shh, shh, I can't hear, sorry. But it's still fruit. Right, but it's still it's, you still it's still you 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 kind of label it as seedless fruit, right? So it's considered fruit. Again, the issue of grafting and kilaim is you're not allowed to do it, but if it's done, you can eat it. Okay, so otherwise we'd have problems with a number of things. Would we eat? Okay, what are you eating now? An orange is fine. What about tangerines and you know tangerine pomelos and all those kind of things? Those are, are, are you know mixtures. So you're not allowed to do it, but if it's done by somebody else, you can still eat it. It's not asur. So what do you do? Get a goy to do the grafting? 
you don't ask. You get the Arabs to do some of the work. I mean, in most cases today, they don't necessarily graft. They're pulling the seeds from what is already grown. Okay? I, I don't know, in, for instance, in terms of a tangerine, what are they really doing with the tangerine? They're, they're taking the scenes of already of another tangerine to do it, and so it's been done already, and most I would think. If you do that, you're going to get a tangerine with seeds, though. Okay. Well, I, I get it, but I mean, so. Uh, the, I, Why is this so classified? Why? Because there's classifications. The Torah is very clear of these are animals. And these are you can eat, and these you can't eat, and these are fruit bearing. It's the classification from the beginning, from the beginning of Breshit is critical to the understanding uh, of, of biblical concepts. The clothes you wear, shatnez, kilayim, the animals you eat, only certain things, and this kind of thing. And if you if you don't have something that's classified and it's in the middle, that's when it creates a problem. So classification is becomes very important, and the mixing of classes. That's why there's Kohen Levi Yisrael. I mean, go through all of your concepts, and you will see that classification by some sort of um, formula becomes an important part of biblical theology. So and the mixing of things is dangerous. So it would be interesting to see if there were pomelos and other fruits that have been mixed in certain areas in his neighborhoods in Israel. If they would eat those, so halakhically they can eat them. Yeah, well, but okay, you can't, you can't, grow, you can't do kilayim, right. but you can eat them. Right. Shatnez is different. You can't wear, supposed to wear shatnez whether you did it or somebody else did it. What is, what is GMO? Genetically modified organisms. Ah, ah, there's big questions about those things. It was just a, a, um, a tshuva written by the conservative movement dealing with, by Rabbi Danny Nevins dealing with, what about genetically concepts of meat? Does it have to go shkita? Does it need, uh, how do you bracha and everything else? And, you know, the, the, to a large extent, what you call it is what it is. Okay, what you call it is what it is. So, if you call it fruit, it's fruit, okay? So I always tell people, you know, in, in the in the Mishnah there was a question of what is chicken, okay? Is it meat or not meat? Okay, the the, the, the way they say it in the in the tractate of Hulin is that chicken goes on the table together with cheese, and we go, oh. So somebody says, well, can, why can't it be that way? And I ask, do you know of anybody who's a vegetarian who eats chicken? Nobody. There's by definition, right. by definition, chicken is considered to be meat in our classifications. Okay? Fish, on the other hand, is in the between. That's okay. So I would say the same thing here. If it's called that, it is that in that realm because it's still fruit. But that's all notwithstanding the fact that uh, a chicken does not. Female chicken does not produce milk. Correct. Got nothing to do with it. It's still an animal. It's, got, it's still considered. It's considered again, it needs to be classified. It has to be something in, in terms of brachot, of shchita, of what it can be eaten with, etc. Okay. And the again, laws of kashrut are all classifications. You know, milk, flesheks, and parv. That's it. That's it. And everything falls under those rubrics. Correct. Correct. 
Correct. Some, that became the, the role of the oral law, and eventually out of the Mishnah and the Talmud, the chicken became classified. And I say to people, how do we classify today? Clearly classified as meat. There is nobody that I know who's a vegetarian who would even think of eating chicken. Well, you can't classify yourself technically as a vegetarian then. I mean, by definition. Okay, you can do what you want. I'm not debating. Yeah, no, but. Well, that wasn't. But that, he didn't get. He, he, no, he, 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 but he didn't consider himself a vegetarian. Again, if you're a tzimchoni, okay, Rav Cook, Rabbi Schwab follows the same concept, okay, as Rav Cook, but he doesn't consider himself a vegetarian. He considers himself a vegetarian during the week. But a Shabbat eats chicken, so. You either is, you ain't. It's difficult to be both at the same time in that realm. That's all. And classifications are an important part of even the way we deal with it. You know, go to any supermarket, which thankfully I don't do too often, and you know, you'll know which are, which where you're going to find certain aisles based on classification. Okay, and if something's in the wrong aisle, you'll already said, hmm, this shouldn't be here. Okay, Larry's got a great story. I didn't tell the story you told me before. That was super. <laughs> I went to the I went to the uh, jewel yesterday to get some Hanukkah candles and I asked the, the clerk where do you have any Hanukkah candles? So she walked me back to this this is on the jewel in Deerfield. There's this great big display of um, for Hanukkah, you know, and it's huge. And there on one side are <laughs> <laughs> they, do it all, they do it all the time. We would call it Goya Shakok. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that, and I learned later on. So the, the thing is, and I tell Michael, it's interesting that if you eat too much matzah, what do you need? So on the other side of the display are prunes. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, then, then I looked on the internet, and apparently one lady said that uh, at her supermarket they have they put out your side candles. Oh yeah, all the candles. It's Jewish, you know. It's a Jew classification. It's a it's a Jewish holiday, you know. Uh, so so, but again, classification is really very important in anything. Okay. And again, think of, just think of it in terms of, of even even study. Okay, there's humanities and there's sciences. In many cases, never the twain shall meet. And when you get a mixture of a course, okay, medical ethics, those didn't exist till very recent, very very recently in education. Interdisciplinary kinds of studies weren't around. Many uh, many even years even ago, when I was in college, right? Many years, right? They, you had you were either in this faculty or you were in that faculty. The concept of getting different different faculty members together to study certain kinds of things—that's new. That's new. It, I, I think it's really very important, but it's relatively new. Everything was classified in a certain kind of way. That is moving to the field of to the realm of sociology. Right? How dare he? Right. How dare he? Right. So it's a little it, again. So I, I, you know, I think that sometimes we we do it too far. And again, think it in terms of gender. Until unbelievably recently, like almost last week, in terms of history, gender was this or that. Binary. Okay. Definitely binary. As Rabbi Artson said this weekend, and as I've learned. There ain't no such thing anymore, and I can't figure it out because it's moving so quickly that we don't know where things are going to end up and how they're going to end up. But gender fluidity, as it's now called, is in everything. 
everything that, that deals with it, and it's it's really so it moves so quickly. In the terms of history, it's like a blink yesterday. Okay, and even without the blink, it's five seven years. I mean, you know, when you really come down to it, and I have no idea where it'll end up. No idea. You were one or the other, and again, think of it. You, if you were one, you wore these kind of clothes, and you got these kind of toys, and in many cases, genetically, they still believe that your ex, you play with these kind of toys because you're pre there's a predilection to that in the studies and everything. I don't know what will be in the future and the mixtures and everything else that's going on. So classification is really very important in that realm, and the fluidity that we're dealing with is really very, very new in, in, in that sense. Agriculturally, it's in its own realm. Historically, from the point of view of, of gender, from the point of view of studies, you name it. Again, you know, as I've said, I've said along, you know, I, I believe in boundaries. And I, you know, when, when I was in this country as a, uh, on a green card, as an, an immigrant, I wasn't an American. You either are or you're not. I don't believe in half Jewish. You either are or you're not. But how many people do you hear say, oh, they're half Jewish? <laughs> right? I don't know what that means. It doesn't mean anything. You either is or you ain't. And I'm becoming part of the minority who believes you either is or you ain't. Because everybody has this fluidity. It's, you can be one and or both. Okay? Take Jews for Jesus. Bit of both, right? Nah. Not we, as I've said to my Christian colleagues, it's not good for us, but it's also not good for them. You either are or you're not. And you want to be that, that's fine. So classifications in this realm go all the way back to biblical studies into the Bible itself. Vayihi Or, there was Or in Choshev. There was Rakia and, and Aretz. There was the waters and there was the dry land. Everything was differentiated. We messed it up in that sense. And, and, and the, the modern world in which we live is unbelievably complicated. So we end up with genetically created things that were impossible to think of beforehand. That's a whole different question. Okay. Can, can, so there are people who say identity is, is fluid today. Okay. And there are people who can, you know, even the, the surveys that they do, the Pew studies, how do you define yourself? Denominationally, just Jewish, etc. So can you be ultimately, you know, people who... We'll take, you know, are, are some people on the south side of Chicago who said they were Jews because that's where their ancestors came from and everything. Okay? So there's, there, there is identity issues today. Identity issues are very difficult. I mean, again, think of it in terms of gender as the, one of the most difficult. One person feel, was born X and feels Y. How do you define them? Halakhically, it's not a simple, easy question of how you define them because we see dealing classifications society is still going through that okay it's going through it in terms of washrooms it's going through it in terms of classification it's going through in camps and all. how do you is it based on well, how the person feels and the same thing is with regard to religion today is it good enough to feel that this I feel Jewish and therefore I am Jewish or is there a boundary those discussions are really very important today from the point of view of religious identity, gender identity, 
personal identity, etc. And I don't know where it's going to end up. I really don't. I think the pendulum swinging both ways all at the very same time that people are becoming more conservative because they're frightened of those things and want classifications and delineations and boundaries. And there are those who say, the, the, a lot of the younger generation says, there ain't no boundaries. Define yourself as you will. That's good enough for us. We'll take you as you are. And for the generation of those of us sitting around the table, we don't, we don't get it. I mean, I'm, I, I'll speak for myself, but I really believe our generation doesn't quite get it because that's just so new. What do you mean you define who you are? can't necessarily define who you are because I don't know what that means. Today I feel today like this, and tomorrow I feel... Oh, excuse me, this is my sunlight. Hello. That's my son-in-law. I'm Israel. I am, so... <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm picking up the phone today. That's my son-in-law in, in Israel. We, we only talk to you for one moment. There is transgender even in the Torah. The Torah says that a man cannot wear woman's clothing. What does that mean? Okay, the, a man can't wear that's in Vaikra, right? Michael? Yes. Okay, So that's that's at least what we would call today cross dressing. Now, so what does cross-dressing mean? Does it mean the person is male but just likes getting into women's clothing? I'm not trying to be difficult here. But, or does it mean is how they define themselves? You can read it either way. Now, I think in the way ancient times it was, was person a male wearing female clothing because the definitions were different. Today it's clearly... Okay. All of, by the way, all of the things related... You know, hermaphrodites and all those kind of things... The, the, the Talmud talks about uh, a tumtum and an androgynous and everything else that are that are a, both asexual and bisexual. And how do you define them? Because you've got to be one. If you're male, then you have certain responsibilities. If you're female, you have other responsibilities. We deal with responsibilities with mitzvot. What happens if you're one or you, you can only be one or the other? How can you be both? Well, today people are defining themselves as both. And in that realm of conception of both, what does that mean? What does that mean in terms of classifications? All right, in terms of religious law, but in terms of social law. In terms of social law, I don't, you know, I, I mean, I'm not an insurance agent, but you know, in many cases, insurance and actuaries are based on the the lifestyle and the and the um, how long you know the life expectancy. Who's defining that now? I have no clue. I really don't. Well, the insurance for men and women for health insurance and life insurance is different based on their gender. But based what is gender a, today right well, now? No, that's my point. Right, right. That's my point. I know it is. I know it is. It's a classification. And it was pretty simple to know that as we were growing up. I, I don't know how that's defined anymore. To speak to people feel like Skip Trera. I don't No clue how they're going to deal with that. Life insurance issues and those kind of things. Because it's based on life expectancy. Is it the way you're bo biological or you're born? Or genetic this way? So I, I think the, the, the religious identity, Ronnie, is part of it. 
It's part of this fluidity to which at least what is called millennials and Generation Z and God knows what other names they're calling have the sense of saying, absolutely, no problem with whatsoever. To which our generation basically says, uh, I don't quite get it. What does that mean? And we're still trying to figure it out. Well, I can tell you that from the standpoint of, of civil law, uh, the prohibition against discrimination on the basis of sex, at least in the field that I worked in, in terms of employee benefits, it was, it's been settled for a long time that you can't make, you can't discriminate on the basis of sex. So, for example, if, if the, the life is, if you taking a, a, a some certain and you wanted to buy an annuity uh, under under the retirement plan, and the person was male. The cost might be less if you use the mortality table, which was based upon his, uh, based upon male life expectancy. Whereas if if it were a female, the cost would be greater because the female would be expected to live longer. You can't do that anymore. So you have to have a gender neutral mortality table. So that's been the case right. for, for more than a few years. Right. But that's, in terms of the, again, I want to deal with it in terms of historical context. A few years is a few years, but take from the legal point of view, that's like a blink of an eyelash in terms of the changes that are going and how fast they're changing. And I have no clue where it's going to end up. I really don't. Because there's a backlash against it. That's what the conservative with small c is all about. Okay, and what the ultra-orthodox is about and everything. It's a backlash against modernity, etc. And there's some where the fluidity is not so readily acceptable that call yourself what you want, we'll accept you wherever you're at. And there's some of us who, as I say, from this generation who kind of say, I don't even know what to call, I don't know what pronouns to use anymore. I don't know how to label it, because whatever word I use today is out of fashion tomorrow, and, and by another person is considered to be offensive. Okay, again, you know, I used to go, I used to find this interesting, I used to go, when I was involved, to the old UJA, United Jewish Appeal, in its day, you all remember it, when I was UJ Rabbinic Cabinet Chairman. And they used to have all the chair people of, of the, the divisions on the wall. Okay? And so, and you can even find it in, in our history, who, too? So when it started, what was known as women's division, or now women's philanthropy, is like division. Wendy Abrams is the chairperson of women's philanthropy around the country today for JFNA. It used to be Mrs. So and so. Right? Then it was changed to the name and the person. Then many times it was just changed her and her, you know, her, her maiden name or whatever. There were two names or whatever. Again, in terms of history, that's very quick. Okay, go back to your parents. It was always Mrs. So-and-so. First of all, you would never address them otherwise than Mrs. So-and-so, right? Classifications are very important, and they deal, therefore, in this theology as well. Of, of is it a is it a pre? Is it a, a, a fruit? Is it a yerek? Is it a vegetable? Sorry, Beit Shama, you can't do both. You don't. And what is their response? Well, we're not sure, so it's better to be stringent in both. Let's do kiliakerem when it has to do with vegetable. Let's do orla when it has to do with fruit. In both cases, I'm stringent, so I got my bases covered. That's like saying it's much easier to say no than to say yes. So it's an answer, but it's a very tough answer because it's not a an answer that in the long run will help move things forward. 
Sorry for that riff, but uh, I think it re really relates really relates to the stuff we're doing as classification. And the questions that were raised are really important ones that I don't necessarily have answers to. And I don't think Jewish society has, a, has real answers to it either. Huh? That that's that's part of the flexibility and the the uh, you know things that are moving on in this day and age. And we'll have to see where they end up. What's going on in Alabama doesn't relate to this at all, but I'm kind of interested in Mr. Litmus on how much people are, are willing to accept in order to keep things... Yeah. Yeah. Well. People are willing to overlook certain things in order to get other things. That's not unusual. Depends what they're overlooking. Okay? People have looked overlooked government policies for years as long as they're well economically. That's nothing new. All politics is local. I don't know what the next stage is. It, it, it will be hard to believe that it will be gone, but I don't know what the next step is. Well, I mean, just yeah. by government decree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know. Again, those that were, we're old enough to remember how, how the things shifted into the 60s how, and then moved back to the 80s and the 90s and now have shifted again. The pendulum, I believe, swings back and forth. And when it goes too far one way, it gets moved back a little bit towards the middle. Uh, and when it doesn't get moved back towards the middle, that's when you have problems. And, and today we're being driven by technology. So the Internet of Things, I have no idea what the things are. I don't really know where that's going, but it's a big driver. And so they're sure. changing things. Sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know where to do that. I... Okay. So we're back to this text, but the, man, the mundane after solving all the problems of the world. Second last line. Okay, so, so regardless, we don't know what, how Beit Shammai classifies it, but we do know the Beit Shammai Havile Safek Orla. Okay, there's a doubt because on the one hand it's a vegetable, on the other hand it's a tree. So it's not or, with Beit Hillel it's going to be Orla no matter what. For Beit Shammai it's Safek Orla, and we have this concept from another place, Orla Be'eretz Yisrael. Bernie had asked me about what, but the boundaries. This is the one about the boundaries. Okay, so Safek Orla Be'eretz Yisrael Asur. You're going to go Lachumra. You're going to be more stringent in Eretz Yisrael if this is Orla. Since you're not sure, be careful, don't eat it. But in Surya, now what is classified as Surya? So let's look at the Iunim, at the second one that, that's down there. Eretz Yisrael Surya. Ba'aretz. Okay, there's a whole classification of Halachot Luyot Ba'aretz. Of of uh, mitzvot that are dependent upon the land, and there's mitzvot shelotuliyot baharitz. Give me some examples of, of mitzvot shelotuliyot baharitz that are dependent upon the land. Shmita. Shmita. What else? Peah. All most of the agricultural laws. Most of the agricultural laws. I can't say all of them. Kilayim applies outside as well. Orla, we've seen. What's peah? Peah, the corner of the field. Okay? All the sacrifices. 
all the there's a whole realm of mitzvot that tliyot ba'aretz. What doesn't apply? What is not dependent on geography? Shabbat. Shabbat. Our calendar. Kashrut. Right. That's a minhagar. Right. Correct. Okay. All the laws that relate to kashrut. All the laws that relate to you know the brachot that we're talking about. Those are mitzvot shalot liot ba'aretz. They're depend. They're dependent on simply being Jewish. But there are classifications of mitzvot tatluyot ba'aretz, and therefore one of the rationales for people making aliyah is that the, making aliyah is machshir le mitzvah. You can do more mitzvot in Eretz Yisrael than you can do anyplace else. And it's one of the classifications of the argumentation halakhically to make aliyah. We know we know what is chutzal aretz, and we know which is aretz. But there's something that's in between that we're not sure, and that's Surya. Okay, now why? Surya The Aram. Aram. Okay. What is considered Surya? That part of the land that was that was conquered by King David. So is that part of the land that was biblically ordained, and therefore you must do Orla because considered Eretz Yisrael, or because it never remained part of Israel, already was by Solomon's time gone? Is it not? This of course relates to the boundaries of Israel which is still an ongoing issue, needless to say, and the biblical story is very mixed as well. Is it, you know, from the sea to the river? Is it also the parts on the other side? Remember as well what we now call Surya, what was also, what was all, who else lived there? The two and a half tribes. Roughly the area of the two and a half tribes. So there was a, an identification with uh, Israelite land and law and law and life and lore and this is is Surya part of the land or not part of the land? So are they bound by those right. If you recall, when we studied Megillah, we we found we try to deal with what is considered to be an Ir Kefet what is considered to be a a walled-in city during the time of Joshua? What is it outside? What is it inside? Classification. Where do you have to bring your your korban um, pesach from? And if it's too far, classification. You want to know in legal terms, yes or no. All of this in the bottom line is, I want to know, do I have to do oral or not? Don't give me all this argument. And that's why the Rambam became so important, because he was the first one to classify as a code in the Mishnah Torah. And today you want to know law. You don't want to. You want to be interested in its context, but you want to know. Tell me what to do, Rabbi. Don't give me this whole Talmudic argument. And this one says that, and that one says this. So Surya, is it part of Eretz Yisrael, or is it not part of Eretz Yisrael? Response is, well, to tell you the truth. If it's part of the land, 
and it's part of the, the, the conquered land, and it was part of, recognized as such, and it was secured as such, then it's part of Eretz Yisrael. But since it was only, it was a conquered land, and then it lost it, it was only during that time that it was part of Eretz Yisrael. Okay, and when Olei Babel means the time of Cyrus. When they came back, already by then it wasn't a Yishuv. Jews weren't living in this particular area. Mm -hmm. Therefore it was seen as this intermediate part. Okay, is it yes or is it no? So, Safek Orla, okay, if you're not sure if it's Orla, in Eretz Yisrael you want to be extra careful. And therefore, Asur. The Surya, Surya Safek already is doubtful. So this is what's known as Sfeka Desfeka. This is doubtful of the doubtful. All right, that I can say Mutar. I can eat Orla in Surya because I don't know whether it's Eretz Yisrael or not. Now, fully beyond Surya, wherever people are, the person can go down uh, okay, to, to eat, as long as he's not seen. So, what, is, what, is, what does. Now, before you go, the Chutzal Aretz, if you look at Steinzelt, he says, Yoreid Bal Hasadeh Hanochri. Because where are you now? In Chutzal Aretz. The owner of the land presumably is somebody who's not Jewish. And he can take it as long as you don't see the Jew picking it up. Okay? And therefore, you can hold like Beit Shammai that the Tzlaf is Safek Orla even though you can eat the Evyonot without any problems so you can go down and eat them now the way Rashi says HaChaver Rashi doesn't quite hold what Steinzeltz has he says Haver, remember the Haver now is the person who's pious he's going down there and eating from so the 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 nitiyot from that which is grown. So what you have here is basically a sense of you know that Orla is an Eretz Yisrael, Asur. You don't know whether Orla applies in Surya. It's Safek. Keep it as Safek. In Chutzalars, you don't have to worry about it whatsoever. Basically, somebody can go down and take the fruit. But don't let anybody see you collecting them, is what he's basically saying. Maritime. Okay? Alright? So, therefore, if you again follow Steinsaltz, therefore, in which is that the slaf is just safek orla. Okay? The, this caper tree is only safek orla, and it could eat the fruits of it. Because it's suffix, and we don't know whether it's Orla or not Orla. So, what we're dealing with, and we look back to this concept, Kilai and Bekerem, is one thing. That's in Aretz, that's in the land of Israel. 
Surya, we're not sure about. It's Suffolk, anyhow, so Mutar. Kutsalaritz, it's not a problem. And we've now at least figured out internally how Beit Shammai can hold that you can eat the fruit but st- and see it as Kilayim Bikarim, as a vegetable, as such, and still see it as Portland at a certain point. Again, as usual, what they've done is kind of harmonize it in some fashion. Now we go back to what our original argument was. This was an all parenthesis. What was our original argument? Do you, did this person hold like Rabbi Akiva, who was Mekil? And does he hold like Beit Shammai, who was even more Mekil, more lenient? And then we have this all thing, well, wait a minute. How do we know about Beit Shammai? We had this concept of Kilayim Bekerim. And, and, and they tell, take, well, wait that that context that you brought, that text that you brought, creates its own problems. Let's figure that out. We figure this out. Now let's go back to Rabbi Akiva and then all that rest. Okay? Okay, so Rabbi Akiva has had some major teachers. I'm going to teach a course on Rabbi Akiva at uh, Spurtis this in, in March, I'll be well. Rabbi Akiva had some major teachers. The two major ones are Rabbi Eliezer, Ben Hurkanos, and Rabbi Yeshua Ben Hananiah. They were very different. Eliezer was considered to be a patrician. He was considered to be very strict. He was considered to be upper class. Rabbi Yeshua Ben Hananiah was considered to be the opposite. We call a plebeian, was very poor, um, and, and very more, more lenient than Rabbi Eliezer. He learned the halakha from both of them. Normally he follows Rabbi Yeshua. He also learned from somebody called Nachumish Gamzo. Okay, when he used to say Gamzo Latova, this is also forbidden. He had a number of teachers, Rabbi Akiva. So Rabbi Akiva, he follows Rabbi Eliezer in this case, okay, which he can do. Why? Because that's one of his teachers, and it's earlier than him, and therefore there is a shita. There's a concept of him able to do it, okay? But. But Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel, you have to pick one or another. Eino Mishnah means you ca- you can't do both. What Rab- what they're saying here is Rabbi Akiva is Mekil, but he follows in this case Rabbi Eliezer. Okay, he follows Rabbi Eliezer, and therefore it is permissible for him to be able to hold this opinion, whether we like the opinion or not. But. The question was, well, can you can you also hold the kule of Beit Shammai? Did he also hold also according to Beit Shammai? And the response of that is, with Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel, you have to make a choice. Okay, you can't hold one, and you can't hold the other at the very same time. Eino Mishnah basically means this is not learning. This is not real learning. It's not acceptable. You have to pick one or the other. How do they translate it? says Beit Shammai, in the case where Beit Shammai articulates an opinion fundamentally different right. from that of Beit Hillel, when that position is rejected, there's no room for further discussion. Right. It means you, know, you have to pick one. And normally, as I say, we pick Beit Hillel. Look at the bottom. We'll finish off with Yunim on the bottom of the page. Sibata. Sibata. 
Hinam, right. So, n- normally the, the reason for pushing this away or not ex- having any kind of accepting this opinion is normally, generally, Tanaitic disagreements, Hinam Maklokot Bipratim, has to do with details, has to do with small, intricate details. What's Hafra'ah? Decision. And the decision. And the decision on which halachic opinion was, is right was made by the Chachamim of that generation. In other words, either Beit Shammai or Beit Hillel. We don't have to worry about it if it's not acceptable. So, what they're basically saying is the first part really has to do with Rabbi Ezer. With Rabbi Ezer and Rabbi Shua, they had to make a decision of which is appropriate, and we know in some cases people didn't like the decision, they may have followed their teacher. When it comes to Beit Shemai and Beit Hillel, you picked one or the other. There's, remember, those are two. Rabbi Ezer is one one person. Beit Shemai and Beit are two schools of thought. You could so if you didn't accept one school of thought, you had to accept the other school of thought. On everything. Ex- in most cases, the answer was yes. In most cases, the answer was yes. But I say there were 18 cases where Beit Shemai was was the lenient one, where Beit Hillel was. But yes, you were either Beit Shemai or Beit Hillel. There were schools of thought of philosophies and therefore following. When it came to Rabbi Ezer and Rabbi Yoshua and Rabbi Akiva, you could follow one because this has to do with a singular point of view. So what they've basically done in this part saying is you really can't learn a great deal. They brought a ma'aseh, okay, having to do with Ravina who happened to be at Marbar Ravashi, okay, where he didn't eat his evyonot and he ate the kafrisin and they then went into, well, does that mean he felt like Rabbi Akiva? Well, maybe he also felt like Rabbi, like, like Beit Shammai. Response is Beit Shammai said X, but we have a problem with Beit Shammai internally. Let's solve that. And finally, we end up no, no. Rabbi Akiva did like Rabbi Ezer, didn't hold like Rabbi Akiva, like uh, Beit Shammai, and that's how Ravina saw Maravashi did. And that's okay. You can fold, hold your view like a earlier time. Right. We're stuck. Right. All right. Where did she just read? She read the evening, the bottom of the page. Bottom of the page. So, we're now going to deal with the next part, since you're, I know you're excited by all this stuff. With the whole thing, what happens if, if a covering over a, uh, a pre, over a fruit? Is that considered to be a separate entity? Or is that considered to be part of the fruit? Why do we care? Bracha. We want the untold part of it is what bracha do you say? Because you're supposed to be saying the right bracha. And we will go into different things that have coverings over them in terms of the planting and the growing. Okay, so I'll finish off finally with with what I started.